the story I want to, that I ran into, I thought it was a good setup for today. It was a little boy walks out to uh, fly a kite. It's one of those windy, windy Kansas days. It's perfect for flying a kite. So he grabs his kite, but he gets all the string he can get to make sure this kite can go as far as it can go. And he releases it up into the wind, and the, and the wind takes it, and it takes it, and it takes it, and he keeps letting out more string and more string and more string. It gets to the point that the kite is so high up in the air that he no longer can see it. And all he knows is, he, is it's just dragging him because it's way up there in the stratosphere to him. About that time, an older guy walks by and stops, look at this kid with his hand and the string going up, and he knows there's a kite, but he can't see it. And so he leans over and he says, so how do you know that that kite is still on the end of that string? He says, oh, I know, because I can feel its pull. And that is exactly what we want to talk about today with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is something that we cannot see, somebody that we cannot see. But by the time we're done today, that every one of you, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit is a pull on your heart to join him and join us in community together. So first, welcome everybody to our guests. My name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. And as you walked in, uh, Lene brought up this worship guide, and there are these sermon notes. Now, for our guests, this just gives you an outline of what we're talking about today. For everybody, this is a devotional that you can use all week long to go back and recapture what we've seen in Scripture, what we're sharing in Scripture together. So feel free to use that. We are in the second week of a three-week series on the Holy Spirit, the power of together, how the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit within us brings us into an amazing community um, empowered by Him. And so let me jump in right away to the very first sermon note that you have there. Given the work of God, we need the power of God. God is at work all the time. God is in the work changing lives through miraculous ways which changes communities, families, and the world. God never rests through his Holy Spirit. The work that God has is amazing. It's huge. The work that God does every day is so much bigger than you or I, yet he invites us into it. And when God invites us into his work, and if we join in his work and we think we can do it on our power... In a world that's so dark and struggles and is hurting, if we try to do it and join him on our power, we fail because we can't handle God's work. But God has given us the very power to do the work through his Holy Spirit. When we join him, he doesn't leave us in our faculties, in our strength. He gives us the very power of his spirit when we join into work with him. And that completely, that power of the Spirit completely changes our efforts and our strength. God's very power is within us. We talked about the Holy Spirit last week. He is a person who resides and guides and empowers us. And if we fail to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we cut ourselves off from true power. But if we know the Holy Spirit, if we talk to Him, if we meditate on Him, these are the keys that release his presence and power in us, and no stronger is it seen in the scripture. The word spirit and Holy Spirit saturates from the very first book to the very last book. You cannot go into scripture and miss the spirit and how the spirit, so us getting deep into the word and understanding who the spirit is in scripture, it will awaken that very power and strength in us, and so that's where I want to start today is in God's word. So would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 
And we're going to be in this chapter, parts of it, all day. I encourage you to read this chapter this week. We're not going to be able to go through the entire chapter, but we're going to get out the key points. And let me explain a little bit what's going on. 1 Corinthians is a letter written by an early church leader named Paul to a very young Christian church in the city of Corinth. Let me explain what's kind of going on. Paul writes this letter for many reasons, but chapter 12 has a specific reason. This church is very diverse, very unique uh, makeup of people, different backgrounds, and this church had a big problem. They were starting to become and look more like the world than being set apart from the world. As a matter of fact, inside there was a lot of these things going on that they were struggling with. They were obsessed with power and status. They were obsessed with their skills and gifts and things that they had, and they used that to position themselves and, and, and look down upon some and, 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 and judge others on issues of performance, competence, skill. And, and Paul sees these, all these problems going on in the church, and so he's writing this letter for a letter of health for them to help rebound, and he, he takes on this specific issue with them about their diversity, their power, and their status. And he starts writing here in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift, listen to this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us, so why? So we can help each other. Talk about power and status move here. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So Paul starts out and says, We got to realize that there are gifts. We are all given. For those who believe and been given the gift of the Spirit, which we talked about last week, you are given a spiritual gift from God through the Holy Spirit. This gift is an act of grace. What that means is a gift that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, we all have at least one, is a gift of grace. That means there's nothing you and I did to deserve it or earn it. Now, it's hard for us in achievement culture. In achievement culture, when somebody goes to give me a gift, what do I say? Well, I no thanks. We kind of push it off because well, we always feel like we got to earn it or we ought to achieve it or we got to... It's like, no, this gift God gives us is because He knows us and it's the perfect gift for us. In verse 4 there, he says there are different gifts. In verse 5, he says there's different services. In verse 6, he says there are different activities. All these things that God is doing through us in the Holy Spirit. But he gets to verse 7, he says, everybody gets at least one gift. Everybody in this room at least has one gift the day you believed. And then he goes on in verse 8, which isn't up here, but if you go and read verse 8, 10, he starts to describe what these spiritual gifts are, the gifts of wisdom, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, these things that kind of seem a little freaky to us. So let me boil it down to three categories. There's three categories of all these gifts. When you look through all Scripture and look at spiritual gifts, there's kind of three categories they all fall into. The first one is there's prophetic gifts. Now, it's not the ability to tell the future. A prophetic gift is the ability to understand God's Word and truth and share it with somebody else. It's a gift that I can look at Scripture through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can understand it and share that truth with somebody else, and they get it. 
So there's prophetic gifts. The second category is priestly gifts. Some of the gifts the Holy Spirit gives are these priestly gifts. Priests were intercessors between God and people. These are the abilities to understand and meet basic needs. You may have a gift given to you that helps people, help you understand that helps people meet their basic needs. And then there's this third category of kingly, king, kingly gifts. And these are gifts or ability to understand direction and the needs of a group. Discernment is one of those. I can see where we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to move. So those three categories is where these all boil into. We all have a gift somewhere in those categories, may be more than one. And these gifts come from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. He alone decides what's the perfect fit for you because he knows you. And I'm gonna go back to verse seven. The purpose of these gifts are for others. The purpose of the gifts the Holy Spirit gives us is for us, but that's not the ultimate purpose. It's for how we serve others. And so while Paul focuses here on, on, on spiritual gifts, I want to focus on a much bigger picture that we normally share when we disciple here. We show what the Holy Spirit can do through each of us. We use an acronym called SHAPE. So your second sermon note, the Holy Spirit works in and through our SHAPE. It's an acronym. So let's go. The first one is spiritual gifts, S. The Holy Spirit works through you and I through spiritual gifts. A couple things again about that is that this list, as you see it in the Bible, is not an all-inclusive list. Please do not put a lid on the Holy Spirit and say, these are the only things that He can do in my life. He can do so much more than this, but it just gives us a good snapshot of all the things He does do. Nor is it one and done. Do I get a gift and I don't get another gift? You know, as you grow and mature, you may, He may make you realize and awaken more and more gift within you as you grow in the Spirit. But here's the deal. Of all those spiritual gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit, they are not for your consumption. They're for distribution. They're not for me. They do great in me because it fits my makeup, but it's for others. We're not consumers of these gifts. We're distributors. Second is heart. The Holy Spirit works through your heart. We used this word two weeks ago. I think it was pathos, passion. What is your passion? Where your passion is is how the Holy Spirit loves to work through you. Your heart is one of the best ways he loves working through you. What do you have a heart for? What do you have a passion for? What keeps coming to your mind when you think about in this community, this is how God can work through me, and this is what I'm passionate about. You ought to focus on that and pay attention. He works not only through your gifts, but through your passion and your heart. The third thing is A, abilities. Your abilities and talent is how the Holy Spirit works through you. He loves to work through how you are gifted in your abilities and skills. What am I good at that can benefit everybody else? What skills, what vocation do, do I have that can serve others? Like, my day job may be a big benefit to the community of faith. And what's interesting, when we look at our vocation, skills, and all this stuff, we build up what? Assets. Have you ever looked at how the Holy Spirit works through your assets? What are these big things that you have that can benefit a whole community? I shared, uh, I don't want the folks to be, but Karen and I, we bought this house when we moved back here and took over this job. The house was too big for us. We're empty nesters. But we bought it because the whole basement was complete and we could have people always stay with us. We got that house so we could serve others. 
And we love having in that basement almost a good chunk of the year always has somebody in it. Plus, besides a dog, it's just good to have people back in the house. But it's an asset. P, personality. You have a gift and a personality that can reach people that others can't. Introverts, come on, stand up, unite. <laughs> just messing with you. Come on, introverts. Introverts can reach introverts in special ways. Extroverts can reach extroverts. You have a temperament, a personality uh, that's just amazing that, that some of you have, have gifts and ways of reaching people that none of us could even begin to think of reach. Intellectual people, I'm not good. I think I've complained about this before. You sit down and I want to share about Jesus and you want to talk metaphysics, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not good at metaphysics. But I know some people are. But you have a personality that can reach people that a lot of us can't. And it's a gift the way the Holy Spirit works for that. Last and a big one is experiences. Your experiences is how the Holy Spirit really can work in somebody's life. Your journey. So, so I do get some people who's like, man, I've grown up in the church my whole life. I haven't done that really bad thing. I've gone to church. I love Jesus. I just don't have a flashy story. Let me tell you how many people are looking for a non-flashy story that just know a solid life and they want to gear their life similarly. That gives people a lot of confidence that it can be done. And then there's those of us who've traveled through life and hit some pretty big bumps, and they do. When you understand God's grace through those bumps and you share the grace, it's amazing how that can connect with people. Even though we might be embarrassed or ashamed, God will use that, the Holy Spirit will use that experience to change somebody else, give them hope is a big reason why we share our experiences. Because we got through it and God redeemed it. Look at that. All the ways the Holy Spirit works through us. We'll go back to verse 7 again. There's a reason why I keep hitting this. A spiritual gift, but not only a gift, your abilities, your talent, your personality, all those things are for others. God created you to be in relationship with others. He made you so uniquely. He made me so uniquely to do that. So we, we mentioned this last week, so I really want to really mention it again. The, gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how He shapes you, how He designs you, the gifts He gives you are personal, but they're not individualistic. I mentioned this last week. They're personal because it's you, but they're not designed for just you or me. So that brings us to this note. It's our third sermon note together. In the spirit, we are interdependent on each other. In the community of faith, we are interdependent. Now there's independence. Independence is kind of cool, especially on the fourth when we blow up things and celebrate. But independence can be too much when we say, I don't need you. And I can do this on my own, which is a big lie in the community of faith. Dependence I have you can have dependence, which in some ways can be good, but dependence can become bad. Dependence can say, I can come to church, I consume for an hour on Sunday, and I go home. I just absorb. The Holy Spirit doesn't work through me. But this word interdependence, the same word we use when we describe the Trinity, how the Father, Son, and Spirit are interdependent on each other. We as a community of faith are interdependent on each other. We need each other. Interdependence is a, 
the whole is the sum of the parts. You cannot see the community of faith without the parts. Interdependence is that we are all equally important to each other. We are, now let me let that one kind of settle in. We are all equally important to each other. The highest level of Christian maturity in the body is when we have interdependence. And when the church is rocking it like that, it is like an orchestra with the Holy Spirit with a stick as conductor and watch the music this group can play with all the diverse parts interdependent on each other to produce a beautiful sound. As we continue on in, in 1 Corinthians 12, this is beautifully depicted starting in verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. That's us, the church. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. It's our connector. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. How strange this church would look if you were all toes. Yes, there are many parts, but there's only one body. Notice the repetition. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. That's independence. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And it continues on to the next two verses. But what the scripture says is, ladies and gentlemen, we need each other in the community of faith. Let's just make a hypothetical, let's say there's 200 in this room and only one of us disconnects and doesn't believe this, the church suffers because of one who has some gift that complements all. We are all very different. I walk around this room, we're all very different. We come from different backgrounds, different theologies, different states, different nations. We have different skin colors, different. We're so diverse, even in here. Yet we were all baptized into one body. But what's amazing about this is every different part in this room, ladies and gentlemen, is critical to the other. Our diversity is not a hindrance to our unity. It is essential for it. Let me say it again. Our diversity is not a hindrance to our unity. Let's quit talking like the world talks. Our diversity is essential to our unity. So let me kind of, let's play this out. Jojo, stand up for me. Jojo, you have a unique gift. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look right over here. See Nathan way up there? Yes. Nathan's dependent on you because mm -hmm. of your gift and you're dependent on him. You got it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Who else could we pick on? Keegan. <laughs> Mikael. Let's look across there. See Justin? He needs you. <laughs> and you need him. Yes. Without each other, it doesn't work. He's got things that you need, you got things he needs. I can walk around the whole room. Mike, can I pick on you? <laughs> right behind you are the Harpers. 
they need you as much as you need them. But I need you to give me a little space. You're good. We get on the camera downstairs. <laughs> hey, all you watching us online, <laughs> we need you as much as you need us. <laughs> now, that's not dig. There's a lot of reasons. We have deployed people. We have a lot of people, but we need each other. When one person takes a ball and goes home, we all hurt because of that. Yeah, we're bringing this up because we're getting close to the end of a season that really disrupted the church. And this church is an amazing, beautiful place of what God's doing. We just heard testimony of what he's doing around the world through our church. But we're getting our game back on because we have less restrictions to do that. You know what happens when you stub your toe? This is a good analogy. When you stub your toe, right, it's just like, out, like walking in the bed, bedroom that sounds me all night, late night, walking around, not paying attention, you run into something, bang, you hit your toe. You don't just sit there and say, wow, I stubbed my toe. No, the whole body reacts, right? Youch, the knee pulls up, the hands go down, grab the toe to try to comfort it, right? It shoots up through all your nervous center into your brain. Your brain is restraining the bad words you want to say when you stub your toe. The whole body reacts, and so it is with the church. When one stubbed toe hurts, the whole church reacts. There's a knee that draws up to protect it. There's hands that go to heal it. There's a brain and a mouth that pray that come around that toe. And, what you, and when, you, when you glance further down in verse 22, it talks about the weaker, non-visible parts of the body. In your, your version, you might say the ones, the, the non-mentionable parts of our bodies that we cover. And it says they are indispensable to the body. The church is so countercultural of Christ. Our world says we celebrate hierarchy and celebrity. The church says the less honorable and unrepresentable deserve more honor and greater care. So we have all these prophetic, priestly, kingly gifts, abilities, personalities, experiences that benefit all of us in this body when the Spirit is working through them. So here's the big question today. Is are we allowing the Spirit to work in us as a community? So let's look at our fourth sermon note together. 1, 168th. One 168th is a really small gift. Do you know what this means? One 168th is a really small gift. How many hours are there in a week? 168. If my whole gifting as a body, as a, as a part of the community is and this is where the Western church has struggled. If my whole gifting in the Holy Spirit is coming to church for Sunday for one hour, and that's it, that is a really small gift. It's a really small gift. That I do not let the Spirit work through me in community throughout the week. I struggle so much when we sit in groups and we, and I, and I, and I hear this, you know, it's like we go to church or I give to the church, which keeps making it sound like this thing out there, and it's not. We are 
the church. We are the body of Christ. We are seven, 365. We're, we're to be in community in ways all throughout the week. Doesn't mean you have to hang out here all day or have be in small group for 24 hours a day, but to give one 168th is to not use the gift that's been given to us. And the church hurts because of it. Hebrews 10 writes this about us being in community together during all the time. Let us hold together, let's, sorry, let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect coming together in community during the week. Especially now that this the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. It just puts the priorities right up there. Community is needed for each other as we get ready and prepare and share the good news because he's coming back. The early church, the early Christian church in Corinth and as, as, as Hebrews has written and stuff had, had a big problem with fall off. It had a big problem with not gathering. And Why? Because of persecution, ostracism, apostasy, and arrogance. There's four good reasons. They were, being, they were going to church at risk of their life. They were being ostracized by the rest of society. And then they had their own problems internally, apostasy, arrogance. In America, in the Western church, we don't experience persecution so much. Ostracism, yeah, there might be some people pushing back that this is a good thing, but let me give you three factors that I believe are really impacting the Western church, the Christian church in our nation, in our state, in our community. Three factors why we're not gathering like we should. The first is laziness. Now let me explain. I'm so glad my pastoral vote is not next week. <laughs> Laziness is when the world is my priority, not what God is doing in me and through me around others. When I put all these other priorities and the community of God is my lowest priority, laziness impacts my community. Because after I give my priority to the world, I don't have any energy left for the community. The second is fear. Now, we can talk fear, and I'm not picking on COVID. I'm not picking on really anything here. It always takes tension and spark in the church to keep her healthy and moving. But when it comes to fear, the fear that really comes down, that slows down a church and not gatherings, not disease, not, it's a fear that I don't want to change. It's a fear that I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to use the way I, I don't like Conflict. I don't like scariness. I don't. And fear immobilizes us. And so what fear causes is a third factor, and that's comfort. It's easier to sleep in on Sunday. It's easier to do all these other priorities during a week. And I don't need small group life. I don't need church life during a week. I don't need to be pouring into others. I want to stay home where it's comfortable. Do you know the Holy Spirit has another name? We shared this scripture last week, John 14, 16. There's three words that they'll use interchangeably. We used the advocate last week. The Holy Spirit is the advocate, Jesus says, I'm sending. Jesus also said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Another word they use is the comforter. Now, why would Jesus send the Holy Spirit to emblazon the church 
because he knows empowered church is going to need comfort because we're out battling the world we're out wrestling with each other we're out loving each other helping each other through all the hardness of the world so he says I'm going to send a comforter now here's a quote by Francis Chan I think wakes us up he's a pastor he says why do you need a comforter if you're already comfortable and I agree I like comfort sometimes too but not compared to what he's doing in me and through me I'll take discomfort and grow and change and, and enjoy the joy of the world instead of the death that comfort brings the comfortable church doesn't need a comforter but that's not us Again, we're just firing things up here. Westview, I want you to battle with me until a lot of our community gets this, the gifting and everything, but we're never excited or happy until everybody's understanding the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit through community. There's always people here that are new to this. Who's the Holy Spirit? Who's Jesus and all this? They're all in these places of discipleship. It's constant that we're all using our gifts to bring the church along and bring community and make us stronger every day. And investing time is a priority in that. It takes constant motivation, meeting, and encouragement to be the community of faith. And I, but I know, while this is not designed for any person online or here, I'm not picking on anybody in general, I know this message is grating on some people, and it hurts, or it's offensive, or it's making me mad. And what I can say is, good, good because it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is alive in you it's when there's no fight is when I worry it's when I'm not convicted that I worry but when I'm getting my hide chapped by looking at God's word I'm thinking fantastic it means the Holy Spirit and guys I get chapped all the time and rubbed wrong and I'm thinking thank God the Spirit is at work on my soul But can I share with you how powerful the Spirit is to kind of close us out here when we gather and grow in community? Can I show you how amazing this is? First, this isn't in your notes. If you want to jot it down, here's a short list. In Spirit-powered community, we first see Christ in others. When I get to know each of you and I get to see how the Holy Spirit wicks you, I get to see Christ in a new way. When I travel to Tanzania or East Africa and experience other cultures and the Holy Spirit, I see Christ in ways I could ever imagine as a kid from Nebraska. Every time I see one of you and every time we get to know each other in community, we see Christ in such a bigger way. That's beautiful. Second, we have accountability and guidance in spirit-filled community, in spirit-powered community. Accountability is like somebody watching over your shoulder. No, it's somebody grabbing you by the lapels and say, come on, we can do this together. I can help you through this season. We can walk this. We can get stronger. Accountability is keeping us forward, moving, and guidance of the right direction. In spirit-powered community, we have one loud, beautiful voice. Worship was amazing. Prayer is amazing. It's super amazing when it's 400 people on a Sunday morning. In spirit-powered community, we use our gifts for others. And we watch people change. And when you see people change because you're letting him work through you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if there's anything more joyful in this world than to watch life eternally changed 
Next, spirit-powered community, we are witness to the world. Acts 1-8, we shared earlier, Jesus said, don't hang out just a second. The power of the Spirit's gonna come. The power of the Holy Spirit will come and you will be my witnesses. The world will notice a community that is so interconnected and interdependent. Next, in spirit-powered community, we are ambassadors of God's love. The greatest expression of agape love is seen right here, and the world takes notice. Jesus said in John 13, by this everyone will you know, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples in the way you love each other. Love is not seen like it is here, because it's a very self-sacrificing agape love. Last, in spirit-powered community, we are Valuing relationship over structure. In spirit-filled community, we value the relationship with each one of us as we are interdependent on each other, and that's so much bigger than a structure. Church is about relationship. The power in us requires something for it to work, though. There's something all of us, because ladies and gentlemen, if you look at through, if anybody's done world history, you'll know the minute we get power, we screw it up. So the power in us requires something first to work, and that's humility. Less of me, more of the Spirit. Less of my priorities, more of the Spirit's priorities. In humility, I release myself to the Holy Spirit to start filling all those places within me to take over. That's called surrender. It's really cool to see what the Holy Spirit does and the power in us when we release and leave Him room. Your last sermon note. Whatever is released to the Spirit is increased by the Spirit. You want more love in the life of the church? Release our anger, our jealousy, our selfishness, and watch the Spirit increase our love. You want more joy in the life of our church? Surrender our sin, which holds us back from God and the Spirit. Watch Him increase our joy. You want more peace in the life of the church? Release our worry and stress and community and watch peace increase. You want more patience in our church? Give our closed mouths and our open ears to the Spirit as we engage our brother and sister. You want more kindness in our church? Use your Spirit-given gifts and you'll see kindness flourish. You want more goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in the church? Release it to the Spirit. He will increase it. Those are all the fruits of the Spirit. Let me leave you with this quote. It's from Francis Schaeffer, a classic pastor, and love reading a lot of his stuff. He wrote this, and this kind of gears us up for next week. Our relationship with each other is a criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. The world will know the power of our God through his Son, and the work of the Holy Spirit and how we are community together because there's nothing else like it in the world. Amen? Amen? So one thing we'll give you guys an opportunity to do is, is we're going to offering time and offering is always a time where we, when we see how much God gives us, especially through the Holy Spirit, what we can give back. But on the back of this, there's three things I want to bring to your attention. There's three check boxes. The first one is an area that we're always struggle with is children's ministry is I would, if you check that box, I would love to help in our children's ministry on Sundays for one to two hours, once a month. If 10 people in here once a month did one to two hours, doing what? Watching kids? No, growing them, 
pouring into them. Do you know last week we dedicated 11 children as a church we stood up and said, we took vows to say we as a community are going to raise those kids with you. We need you. Second one is if you have not been in a life group before, the way that we gather together and grow and read this and understand and, and, and use each other's gifts together, if you've never done that, be brave. Fill that box out, put your name on here, and we will connect you for our summer groups and get you going. And if you've never heard this spiritual gift thing before, like I didn't know that the Holy Spirit gives me a spiritual gift, would you check that box? Next Sunday after second service, we are gonna, we're going to send you a survey to take during the week, and then we're going to meet after second service next week over pizza or some fine Holy Spirit food like that. And we're going to talk about what those spiritual gifts are, and we will help launch you. Anything else you need, you can write on that too. Your financial offering is a fuel of the church. The reason we have seven missionaries around the world and two going to Tanzania is because you also bless them with the fuel and the finance to go. There's boxes at the door. We always ask to give graciously, give out of joy. There should be no other way we give. And give generously. So let's pray over all this as an offering together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for the church of Corinth, which looks so much like us sometimes. Thank you for a church that's beautiful, though. I'm not digging, just, Father, we as a church, we've come through a hard year. It's time to fire up. A lot of restrictions will go away, and you know, the mask restriction goes away tonight. And a lot of things, as we move forward in community, it's time to get the church back after stuff. We are the hope of the world, and we only can be that through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I have every person walk out of this room with a new change of how the Spirit can use their amazing gifting to help the rest. We need each other. And the world needs us, which we're going to talk about next week. So, Father, bless each person here today. No matter what the offering is, whether it's a checkbox, whether it's a financial gift, thank you for the help, sisters, and their bravery. Father, we pray for John Cooper today, who's healing from, a, from heart surgery. Just praying today's a, a big day for him, big wins and getting healed up. Pray for our commencement exercises this afternoon. They're, they're getting threatened to be rained out. Father, no matter what, just pour your spirit of peace and blessing on what a huge accomplishment. Congrats, graduates, go out and change the world in the Holy Spirit. Father, we give this all to you. Jesus, thank you for everything you've done. Holy Spirit, we need you and we need each other. We pray this in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to tack on a couple, two other little things about the offering thing. If, um, uh, I had a question about can we bless the, um, the help sisters with a love offering and certainly you can if that is how you're feeling led this morning would you mark it on your check or if you're giving electronically through the app there's a place to make a comment or notate it for something um, or they're right here you can come up and love on them and give it to them in person but we will send them off with that blessing um, the other way that you can think about responding today or that we would ask you to respond is even if you came in these doors would you take a second to go out in this lobby and there are tables with thank you notes and um, all the people that have been serving in our kids ministry especially over this last year they were making videos from home they were doing crafts from home they were learning dances that they could teach our kids um, over live stream and all of that um, they stepped in and filled a lot of gaps for us You've heard we still have more. We need more of you to step up. But would you take a second and fill out one of those thank you notes and just let them know how much we appreciate them 
loving on our kiddos. That said, stand with us in worship if you would. I love that this sermon title is called The Power of Together, and we're going to lift our voices this morning and sing out to that Holy Spirit, and I just pray that um, you would sense the power and his movement in and through us. 